Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, Jessica Van. And today I am joined in our studio with Julia Quijano, who I just discovered is a fellow SF native. I know. We're rare. (laughs) We're super rare. It's great. We have a lot of parallel um, things in our history, including where we went to college, which is wild. Kind of wild. Yeah. So um, really excited to meet with you and have this conversation. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So you are here to share with us um, thoughts and perspectives on the role of chief of staff, which is probably the hottest of the hot topics. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I feel like this whole idea of chief of staff is um, almost like a a fixation point. So really excited to talk with you. Um, But by way of background, Julia started off her career as an executive assistant working at Salesforce, where she supported the chief revenue officer and the chief customer officer before deciding to pursue a master's degree in counseling psychology. After grad school, Julia joined an early stage venture capital firm to invest in digital health and behavioral health technology companies. For the past three years, she served as chief of staff to Era Technology, a venture-backed startup in Silicon Valley, where she has worn many hats, including leadership development and building the company's DE&I program. Following her role as chief of staff, I'm excited to share that Julia is now off on her next adventure, launching her own executive development and research firm. I think Julia would be the first to say that her career path has taken many turns over the years, and we're really excited, as I shared, to talk about, in particular, your experience as a chief of staff, because it is such a hot topic and because it has been so repeatedly requested by our listeners. Um, You know, these days it feels like chief of staff and EA are often used almost synonymously, and there's a lot of buzz and hype around what it means to be a chief of staff. So we've decided to use this opportunity in meeting you to really dive into what that means and how does it actually differ from being an EA. Um, And also, we'd love to hear from you about why an EA potentially makes a great choice for a chief of staff. So um, I think before we get started, you know, clearly there's no one size fits all when it comes to being a chief of staff. And I think it's something that's super flexible and can really mean different things in different settings. I think everybody automatically thinks of, you know, the White House chief of staff when they think of chief of staff. Um, So, again, looking forward to just hearing what your particular perspective is on this really interesting and um, and hot role. So to get us started, can you comment on what your definition of a chief of staff is and why you think it's become this glamorized and idealized position? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think glamorized is a great word. It's super, super hot. I'm also finding just probably in the last year or so that it's also a bit of a controversial um, role. I think people don't really know what to make of it because it's such an ambiguous role. And to your point, it really depends on um, who that person is in role, what 
uh, organization they're joining, at what, what stage of growth, and what leaders they are partnering with to drive the organization's agenda. So to define a chief of staff role it's really, really challenging to do that. And you will see, I think, you know, part of the buzz that's happening in especially the tech industry in Silicon Valley right now is that the role requires you to wear so many hats. And it's really hard to define um, what a chief of staff specifically owns um, that's common across all organizations and across all chief of staff roles. So I wish that I could, you know, give you a really solid definition of what I think a chief of staff role is. The only answer I could really give is it's a really gray and ambiguous one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we totally put you in the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> asking you to define the most undefinable role that yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah, but I think that, you know, that ambiguity of the role is really what is so glamorous about it also. You know, you, especially for people who are really comfortable in um, in kind of messy gray roles with undefined walls, it's so much fun. And you really get to take the opportunity to learn as much as you possibly can and want to, to touch all these different parts of the organization, try different things. Um, but, you know, to your point a little bit about like, you know, why it's glamorized and and why it's heated up so much. And I remember um, it was when I was an executive assistant at Salesforce, uh, I, for the first time, kind of heard the use of the chief of staff title outside of government, as we as mm-hmm. we all are familiar with it. And um, it was, I think, around 2014, um, the current, or, or at the time, the chief of staff at LinkedIn had written an article Um, and I might butcher the title of it, but I think it was something like, you know, so what does a chief of staff actually do? And even, you know, he had a really challenging time trying to define what that is. But I think the, the really fun sentiment around the role is that it is a, um, almost, it's a role that grooms you into leadership or grooms you into an executive role that um, hasn't really been offered in any other parts of business um, with the same level of reach across the broad organization and functions. Um, I think typically we've found trajectories you need to pick your function, whether it be product or sales or HR, really early on in your career and can grow into a leadership role on that track. But the chief of staff role is really the first that I've seen, especially in technology, um, that allows you to play and learn and grow uh, upwards in seniority and authority within an organization. And I think that's what makes it so exciting for um, ambitious, up-and-coming, bright talent. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, you know, on the, from the perspective that we're on as as recruiters and as a recruiting firm that's working with either companies or candidates um, who say that they're looking for a chief of staff, I mean, I, I inevitably will turn it around on them and ask them to define it in terms of what it means in their point of view. Because people coming in and saying that they want a chief of staff role, you know, in, until they really define it, it's really unclear 
as to what's going to satisfy them and what kind of career development opportunities they're really striving for and if it's actually going to align with you know opportunities that we see. Because again, it, it is so nuanced and it is so individualized and organization specific and to your other point, you know, executive specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, we... Uh, and, and just in the last few years, the amount of chief of staff roles that I've seen, you know, front page of my LinkedIn when I log in is astounding to me, like truly, truly astounding. And occasionally I'll hop in just to take a glimpse of what how people are attempting to define what they need from that role. And it spans everything from, you know, really owning board dynamics and material and being that liaison to the board all the way to some really heavy HR people initiatives. Um, it can touch finance, right, and really owning P&Ls and budget. Um, there's always a good flavor of that executive partnership, the um, – you know, cross-organizational operation and a little bit of culture, too. So that's kind of where I see some commonalities, mm-hmm. even beyond just skill set and responsibility of the role. The thing that I think we don't actually talk about enough in the chief of staff role that we do in executive assistant roles is personality fit. That, especially if you're chief of staff to a CEO in an organization, that relationship is one of the most intimate that you have in an organization similar to an executive assistant. And I think that gets glossed over a lot um, because the chief of staff role can also be very kind of cross-organizational facing beyond just that executive. Um, So I think that is something, you know, when we when we talk about what what a company or what an executive is looking for in a chief of staff, that is for me the highest priority. Yeah, I, I I definitely see it as this role as a trusted part of an executive's core inner circle, for sure. Absolutely. So tell us about your own evolution from executive assistant to chief of staff. How is it that you landed in the chief of staff role at ERA? And in particular, did you have to acquire any additional skills or knowledge or experience to allow you to make that jump? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I for sure have had a very nonlinear path. Um, I couldn't say that the chief of staff was a role that I had sought out really actively. Um, I would say the same for the executive assistant role I had at Salesforce. For me, my career has really been guided by what do I want to learn next? Um, What's kind of a great growth opportunity for me? And I'm the type that is really excited to roll up my sleeves and dig in and learn even how different my expectations were going into something than than what the actual um, day-to-day looks like. For me, you know, your, the, your question about landing the chief of staff role, um, absolutely my recruiter um, was a massive part in helping me land that role, um, predominantly because one, the preparation, right? Some real, I don't know that I would have been prepared in the way that I was going into those interviews without that recruiting partnership. 
And it was my conversations with my recruiter that really, and it was an external recruiter, not one, not ERA's in-house recruiter, um, that really helped me sift through what is that fit that I'm looking for? What does the organization need to look like? What is kind of my sweet spot in stage of growth? And and what can I tolerate in terms of personality fit? And what do I gel really well with? Um, so that that prep and fit conversations, that is really what, what um, helped me land this role. Um, actually, I think I may have kind of bombed my first interview with Hera. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And, and, you know, with my with my CEO, it was I reflect back on that conversation all the time. And it was, you know, not the kind of interview that I typically give. But it was so messy and so authentic and so raw. Even when I think I bombed it, it allowed us to really figure out quite quickly how can we interact and how do we get on when things aren't perfect? And it it worked. This is the story that I would tell about our relationship. So I walk into the interview. It was March in San Francisco in an office building um, downtown Soma. Um, it was freezing in the office building. I think their um, their heater was broken. I was already bundled, but I stayed in like my down jacket, absolutely freezing, <laughs> like teeth chattering. When I walked into the office, there were maybe, you know, 10 team members huddled around this one space heater. So when I say it was cold, it was really cold. And somewhere, you know, throughout the conversation um, with my CEO, he kind of stopped me and, you know, my arms are crossed and like my legs are crossed and I'm cold. And he's like, so, you know, you're frigid. <laughs> you know how do how do people build relationships with you? And I'm like, that is not a fair question. I'm freezing. So if that gives you just a little glimpse of how both direct and like and clunky, sarcastic, yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, not something I normally would love to have happen in an interview. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So when we think about you know, EA to chief of staff um, and the skill sets. I think my nonlinear path is really what helped me prepare from a um, confidence level, from a skill set level, um, and and really knowing how to partner really well with a CEO. There was a lot that I did have to learn along along the way. So. You know, my master's in mm -hmm. counseling psychology that, you know, it, as part of my graduate degree, I worked as a therapist with adolescents in a school-based setting for my clinical practicum. And that um, kind of high emotional intensity, um, you know, again, super messy, um, you know, and in a school system that mm -hmm. they don't move as fast as, you know, Salesforce, right? So that was really something that um, that experience taught me how to navigate high emotions, kind of keep my own cool, learn how to respond and, and try to get the best out of people 
um, even when your structure and your setting is really imperfect. That was huge. Um, Venture capital, too. You know, I do not come from a finance background. I love, love, love people and psychology and behavior and thoughts and feelings. And walking in to a VC and learning how to be an investor on the fly, you really digging into Excel and financial models, like talk about clunky, that was something that I just didn't have to do as an an executive assistant. Um, So that skill set also just to understand a little bit more of the numbers and operations side Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, being able to see early stage companies, you know, at this point, I had only known Salesforce. And yeah, I joined Salesforce when they were around 5,000 employees and uh, still a messy company and not the giant that Mm -hmm. it is today. But it was still a phenomenal machine, um, an incredible, innovative company with an incredible culture. So having um, had the experience of knowing, you know, kind of what great looks like mm-hmm. and then seeing the side of, you know, seed stage financing of an idea and a prototype and trying to piece culture and hiring and um, fundraising, that was something that really helped me get comfortable in kind of the imperfect messiness of company building. Yeah. I mean, I think that one one thing or one thread that is very clear to me is this kind of idea of intellectual resiliency and you being comfortable being in situations that you're not necessarily equipped for in terms of your, your prior experience, right? Mm-hmm. And being really confident in your intellectual resilience to basically work through those situations and adapt and learn on the job and figure it out. And I mean, that's that's a lot of breadth in what you just described going mm-hmm. from, you know, th- delivering counseling in <laughs> to middle schoolers in, an, in a, you know, high school or a middle school situation yeah. to financial modeling like that. There's a lot in between those two things. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I have to, I have to say that, you know, I would not be I would not have had those opportunities or be where I am today without a ton of support. And really, you know, people who, yes, I always kind of chose and pursued what I wanted to learn next. But a big piece of it for me, too, was um, working with people who I knew would give me the space and support to fail and try and succeed. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. That was everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us about this chief of staff role that you did at ERA. What what specifically were you responsible for? What types of decisions were, were you tasked with? And what are some of the key milestones or achievements that you were able to do while in the role? My charter was really, one, to partner very closely with the CEO. Um, and, and what that looked like was... Um, really being that sounding board, um, you know, kind of the the tight advisor within his super tight circle that was sometimes only the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, for for me, it was really owning his calendar. 
I to be able to prioritize his time and where I needed him to focus across the business, I am the type of person that needs all the details. And I need to um, be able to quickly move things around on a fly instead of, you know, go through a couple more um, uh, barriers, if you will. Um, so, so part of it was, you know, really closely partnering with the CEO and, and making him and his office as effective um, and productive as possible. The other piece of it was helping our executive team and, and what turned into a quickly growing and evolving executive team be incredibly efficient and really, really aligned. When I walked into the company, there were, um, you know, just so many bright leaders who weren't necessarily talking to each other because they were so, you know, in, in true startup fashion, you don't have enough time in the day to get done all the things that you want to do, that that you want to get done. Oh, and by the way, you know, you have to hire a bunch of people <laughs> at the same time. Um, you know, we used to say it's it's like flying a plane while building it. Um, so really focusing on the CEO and his office. And then the extension of the executive team and really making sure that we're aligned, communicating and effective from the top down was um, really kind of the big, broad lens in which I worked. Um, over the course of three years, I popped around everywhere in the organization, though. So, you know, sometimes that looked like me literally rolling up my sleeves putting a, recru a recruiting coordinator hat on because we were we had such incredible um, candidate pipeline, but not enough hands on deck to uphold that candidate experience and make sure there's continuity in interviewing to, to, to attract that talent. I, with the chief people officer, rolled my sleeves up and spent a couple weeks just really focusing on moving things quickly, and then taking a look at process, taking a look at candidate experience and seeing how we can improve. But I had to be a stopgap very quickly. And then we could think about, you know, long-term solutioning for the scalability of the company. Um, and that really happened all over the company. I, you know, were about to um, drop a press release and we need, you know, minds in the room to work with our CMO. So what am I doing? I'm editing a press release. So mm -hmm. when we talk about wearing many hats in this role, yes, I worked a lot around, you know, setting the rhythm of the company and building our corporate governance. And um, most recently, right before I, I left the company, um, we rolled out uh, an OKR process for the first time. Um, but a lot of it is just blocking and tackling, yeah. um, especially at a company of, of that size. The things that, you know, when I look back on on the ways that I was able to grow in the role and the things that I was really excited about, um, you know, given and, – and this kind of goes to the point of this role looks very different depending on what the organization needs and who's in it. You know, sometimes chief of – Chiefs of staff come from investment banking or consulting. 
I came from psychology, right? Like I came from this psychotherapy background and executive assistant background. And the thing that I really gravitated towards in my role, especially as I built really strong relationships across um, not only my relationship with the CEO, our executive team, but, but really our extended leadership team, I really got to wear this executive coach leadership development hat that I don't think I foresaw wearing when I first took this role. Hmm. Um, and then kind of by proxy, thinking about leadership and how leaders shape culture and how culture really helps execution of a company, um, I really got to start wearing my diversity, equity, and inclusion hat a bit more. And and one of the things that I am really proud and excited about was being able to to build that DEI initiative and program within the company um, and then actually led uh, what we called our DEI working group where, you know, every other week uh, team members would join me for a discussion just about what's happening in the company, um, what's happening in the world, and how can their voice really shape the DEI program within the company to really make sure that that value of inclusion we we have um, is is alive and lived mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. The first thing that I noticed when I joined the company was that the executive team didn't have a structured forum to talk to each other. So it was on them to pick up the phone or to head over to the person's desk to just communicate. So one of the things that I implemented very quickly was a standing weekly executive meeting where we could all talk amongst ourselves about you know what the challenges are, what strategically we need to address, what the priorities are, um, and then you know look down the line and plan. Um, And I think it was – that was really the catalyst for the entire executive team getting to know me very quickly and getting to know me in relationship to the CEO very quickly and understand that dynamic because they got to see it every single week. And it was actually, uh, I would say, leaders – seeking me out, Hmm. asking for very specific advice on some very specific things that just me naturally, the way that my brain works, really opening that up, you know, I I can help solve and think through a particular challenge, but let's look at the big picture of that challenge and think about, you know, what other things need to shift or improve, whether it's in – our communication styles and interpersonal relationships or overall structure and governance. And we got to really think about the leader within the structure and the system then um, and, and, you know, to, to my team's credit, they were so receptive um, and really eager to do that development work and, and look at themselves and really think about how to improve as leaders and how to make impact on the organization. That's great. And I have to assume that that was, and, and maybe we'll get more of this later, but something that sort of sparked this new tangent and direction that you're now taking your career as you 
go after your next chapter. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's had a huge influence on, you know, not only the way that I think um, leaders can grow and how quickly I think leaders can grow. I mean, I think that just seeing firsthand across across era, um, so many individuals just both in their in their own right and effort. Um, and, you know, in, in partnership, they just, you know, grew in ways that really blew my mind. And, mm. and I didn't even think that that could happen so quickly. Um, so, yeah, that, that absolutely got me very yeah. excited and, and got my wheels turning. Yeah, understandably. So how did your role as chief of staff differ from what you did or what you even thought about as an executive assistant? And what would you say have been the challenges and also the rewards of each of those roles? There was actually some really interesting overlap between my executive assistant role at Salesforce and my chief of staff role at ERA. Um, And a lot of that had to do with the leaders I was partnered with. So when I was at Salesforce, uh, I worked for a woman named Susan St. Ledger. She was the chief revenue officer of Marketing Cloud. Uh, she most recently just went over to Okta, and I'm very, very excited oh. for her. Um, but, you know, I was early, early on in my career, and she was somebody who um, really took me under her wing and gave me a ton of visibility across not only her organization in her office, but as much of Salesforce as she had visibility into. Um, and she, I, I actually learned this later on in in my relationship with her, she uh, early in her career actually was the chief of staff um, in the early days of Sun Microsystems. Mm. So she had the experience um, and really wanted to nurture that hunger, the ambition, the potential in me, and treated me from day one like a very strategic business partner. I got to have a voice around the table. She um, really asked for my opinion. Um, I got to be that sounding board early on. Um, So in many ways, you know, in addition to um, kind of the typical executive assistant responsibilities um, that that you have in that role at Salesforce, you know, travel expenses, calendar, lunch, coffee, all of those things. Um, the I got to learn how to use my voice and how to um, partner with an executive at that la- at that level, and so much of that is what I carried over into this chief of staff role. I think the difference um, is that in this chief of staff role, it comes with a little bit more authority, Mm -hmm. a little bit more influence. Mm -hmm. Um, You really are seen by the organization as a leader. um, and Stemming from the title. Stemming from the title. Mm -hmm. um, And you know, sometimes I think it's just that word chief that mm-hmm. that does it because uh, it's, you know, a C in the rest of the C-suite. Um, but, but what I got to practice and really hone in both of those roles was, you know, this idea of really leading from behind. Um, so in, in that respect, 
there's a lot of overlap between the two. In your opinion, and I think this kind of flows well from what you just shared with us, but in in your opinion, in what ways is an executive assistant well-equipped based upon what he or she already has expertise in um, to step into something like a chief of staff role? And are there also any skill gaps that an EA should be prepared or interested in working on if they want to transition their career in that way? I love the executive assistant role. I think that it is so underrated in so many ways because what other role do you get that level of visibility without being an executive yourself? There isn't one. So to say the executive assistant role can well prepare you for a chief of staff role is something that I stand behind 100%. And, you know, I mentioned some some there's some controversy in the industry lately that's bubbled up where um, I hear, you know, from the LinkedIn chatter, they don't totally understand how, you know, you could slap a chief of staff title onto your growing executive assistant. And oh, that just like hits me in the heart sometimes because there's so much overlap. And there's so much um, that executive assistants do to really help, but also up-level their executives that goes so unnoticed. And it's in the smallest of details. And it really isn't about, you know, what your responsibilities are. It's the way that you interact with your executive, with their organization. It's the finesse in how you navigate complex organizations. It's needing to make judgment calls with limited information and hoping that it's aligned to your executive's agenda and thought process and values and priorities. You as an executive assistant are representing in every single word that you write, in every single breath that you breathe, in the role, you're representing the executive in the organization that you support. So to learn those things um, at an executive assistant level and get the inside, behind-the-scenes look of a company that doesn't happen in any other role except the executive team – that, I think, will help you grow into a phenomenal chief of staff. That was so well said. I love, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that, that is it, – it really encapsulates the, the challenge of what it means to do executive assistant work well, but also why it's such a source of strength for any – executive team and any company that's really looking for exceptional performance and really looking to operate at the best level possible. Um, it just makes it, it makes teams and executives more responsive, more agile, better prepared, more in tune. Like it's, it's just, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in some ways, you know, we've, as we've seen this split in job description, right, of you know, what I call the more, you know, consulting profile for a chief of staff or an executive assistant profile for a chief of staff. You know, sometimes I look at some of these job descriptions and 
what they're asking for, whether it's really ops heavy or finance heavy or board heavy, sometimes I think, you know, you're not actually looking for a chief of staff. You're looking for a head of operations Mm -hmm. and, you know, hire that. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, the ops roles can wear those hats, can own governance, can structure your organization. Are they going to have the same really intimate relationship with your CEO or, you know, if you think about a larger organization, you know, we're now seeing more and more chiefs of staff to your CTO or your CFO. Regardless, the role requires a level of intimacy that we've talked about mm-hmm. that you're not going to get in your ops role that you're hoping can wear many hats and call a chief of staff. Um, I mean, a, a lot of times clients will say things like, you know, I well, I want somebody that has been, you know, a COO type person, head of operations, this, that, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I also want them to, you know, really understand the intricacies of my calendar and my priorities and, and what I want and what and what allows me to show up feeling my best and doing my best and and manage my time and manage my calendar. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And and I think that there's this skill set that goes um that 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 is assumed often and is and is taken for granted, which is that oh well, clearly if they can do all of these operational things and they can manage these multi million dollar budgets and run the P and L and the governance and everything else, well then clearly they can do the calendar stuff and they can be counsel to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that is often inappropriately assumed and taken for granted as just a given. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not. I mean, that's, that is the essence of, I think, why executive assistants can make the jump and translate their experience so effectively to a chief of staff role is because they have that core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think you said something really important, um, which we don't really talk about when we talk about the chief of staff role. And it's around um, there, there can be a real conflict of interest, right? When you, when you ask a chief of staff to both intimately know your world and be of counsel and own so much across the business, it's hard to discern sometimes between um, what is incredibly confidential and sensitive that needs to stay within the parameters of the CEO office and often sometimes just between you and the CEO and how much other information is floating around in your brain that you that that is going to make you successful in navigating all these other operational priorities across the organization i think the thing that really equipped me for navigating some of that was my background in psychotherapy. Like Mm. if you want to talk about confidentiality, Mm -hmm. like that is when you're working with an individual and then you're doing a session with their family and then doing a session with siblings all within the same family unit, there's a lot of interesting overlap that happens in the business world. You have to remember, you know, really sensitive conversations you had with with some executives and track that that CEO may have told your head of operations, but only half of it. So you can't actually go, right? You, you have to 
keep track of all these different narratives and mm-hmm. threads and pieces of confidential information that sometimes then get unveiled and are no longer confidential and you have right. to track the timing and the sequence and right. and just be really sensitive yeah. about how you navigate organizations. Yeah, it sounds exhausting hearing you say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's true. I mean, it's it's who's in the loop and to what extent, right? Yeah. And it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would be totally remiss to say that I think what what enabled me to be really successful in the chief of staff role at ERA was I had a really phenomenal partner in our head of finance and operations. We were very complementary to each other and took some of that um, – we, we tagged team a lot together. And we had this great understanding where – you know he can he could go handle some of the operational things that I could, but it's better to have him in that swim lane, and I would take you know the feelings peoply <laughs> side of it and and let him not worry about those things. So you know to your point about about um, hiring managers or organizations and clients who come to you saying, I want all of these things, at some point you do have to draw a line in the sand and say, sorry, that's not doable. It does sound like two people. And there can be a really phenomenal way to find that complementary skill set within the organization that's going to make you as a chief of staff really successful. So what doors has the chief of staff role opened up for you? And how has it helped steer your career in this new direction, as we talked about, of becoming an executive coach? Yeah, uh, it has opened so many doors for me. Um, and I feel really um, grateful to have had three years of, you know, adding value, but a whole lot of learning. And, um, you know, it, as we talked about, playing that, the, the utility player and being the stopgap, I got to see a lot of different parts of the business and try them out and learn what I love. And I actually, I do some coaching um, for Navy, uh, Navy SEALs mm. who are transitioning into civilian life. And it's really interesting how this chief of staff role actually keeps coming up in in how SEALs are actually very well qualified for a chief of staff role at an early stage (laughs) company, let me tell you. Um, But one of the things that I tell them is if you don't know where you want to enter into a business quite yet, this is a great way to get that visibility, to learn about product, to learn about finance, to learn about HR and see is there a particular function you want to double down on? And in, if so, in what capacity? So, you know, talking about opening doors for me, I got to wear way more hats than I ever expected. And in that, got to really try out what fits my strengths and my interests and what do I want to pursue. For me, it really was leadership development. I really enjoyed, and I think this is kind of true for my personality, I like leading from behind. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not one that loves the spotlight. Um, and I really get so much fulfillment from um, 
working with individuals and then watching their impact that they have on something much greater than I could have done myself. So that kind of domino effect is what I loved watching at ERA and and really what shaped me to double down on um, looking at how I can, outside of just the bounds of one company, work with so many leaders across so many industries and try to have impact as as big of an impact mm-hmm. as I can mm-hmm. through these phenomenal people who are just, you know, so willing and brave and courageous to try and and grow into phenomenal humans and and phenomenal leaders. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like the advice that you gave to your Navy SEAL clients, right? It's sort of the advice that you took of, you know, having had this opportunity to try so many different facets of ERA and really honing in on what it was that, that really lit you up and, and sparked your fervor and excitement and passion. And that was, like you said, the coaching piece. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see that that would have been a possibility without having done this role first. So everything sort of has its own kind of um, synergistic flow, you know, in terms of how they all kind of relate to each other. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's only now, there was a while that, you know, I was very forward looking and, and we've talked about this in just chasing after whatever I wanted to learn next. Mm-hmm. Now making this decision to really, you know, start my own business and really focus on executive development and a little research. Now I've had the opportunity to kind of pause mm-hmm. and look backwards and realize that every single step and every single moment and every single, you know, what I thought at the time was a drastic pivot actually led me to be very certain now about how I want to spend the remainder of my, hopefully, the remainder of my career. If there's anything that you wish you had known about the chief of staff role prior to stepping into it, um, what would that be? And, and you know, what questions or encouragement do you have for our EA listeners that they should be thinking through as they think about this? I like chaos, and I love creating some structure in chaos. I didn't quite know just how intensely messy a chief of staff role is, not starts to be, but just continues to be Mm. as the company grows. I really didn't quite, I thought, you know, I could walk in and I'll come in with all these solutions and structure. And the second you have one in place, the company has evolved and you've added, you know, hundreds more people and you have to solution all over again. So that kind of constant solutioning, navigating, problem solving, and the messiness of it all, I didn't quite know how ongoing that Mm. would be. And, you know, unlike my role as an executive assistant, I always knew that I needed to be available to my executive and we had a great rhythm um, of, of when, you know, I could kind of unplug and and when I needed to really make sure I was in the weeds on everything. In the chief of staff role, you are in many ways the center of the entire company and organization. And you are the go-to person for everything big and small. And 
I don't think I really realized how much you can kind of never turn off in mm. that role. And I think, you know, I've really I, I, I'm a big proponent of this two to three year chief of staff rotation. Um, it gives it a nice time box that you can get some make some real impact and know that it this like constant um, constant way of operating and being plugged in is temporary and and it is you know like in medicine a rotation that has mm-hmm. an end mm-hmm. and then somebody else will come in and pick up where you left off that was something that I didn't quite realize um, when I walked into the role of just how on you have to be always I think that's really good insight for people that are contemplating that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and your question about you know what do you ask yourself I think that's definitely one Mm -hmm. of them how you know this is not in many ways I think yes the executive assistant role is a phenomenal training ground for a chief of staff role if you're just looking for a promotion and comp increase it's a different ball game um it's a it's you're you're operating with um more influence more responsibility more eyes on you and you have to be up for it. So, you know, I would I would tell our listeners today, you know, think about really what you want. And if you are super hungry and really curious about, you know, where you want to um, go next or long term in your career, this is a phenomenal opportunity to add value and learn. But it's you, you got to be up for it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's an element of stamina there that I think you've you've highlighted very effectively. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell I'm still probably you know <laughs> detoxing a little bit from my role. <laughs> Great. Well, I have a final question for you, Julia. If you could support anyone throughout the course of history, who would you choose and why? Oh yes, this is such a fun question to answer, especially right now. I'm not sure if you asked me this even six months ago. I don't know that I would have had this answer. Um, But for sure, Obama. Um, Which Obama? Oh, oh, that is a good question. (laughs) I mean, gosh, both would be phenomenal. How fun would that be? Uh My answer to to work with Barack Obama, I think, really comes from a podcast that I just listened to mm. um, on, on Brené Brown's podcast, Dare to Lead. She interviewed Barack Obama, and he really gets into a bit more of the personal. Um, it was coming right off of his his book that he wrote, and it floored me and really kind of gave me chills to realize just how authentic of a leader he is. And it really struck me. Um, so, yeah, I think for for those reasons, all politics aside, who he is as a leader would be a really fun, fun person to, to work with for yeah. sure. Well, thank you so much for tackling like the hairiest of the hairy subjects. <laughs> and you did so beautifully. Um, you were so just eloquent and, and really expressing, you know, what this is and what, at least in your experience, what what this can mean and, and what to be aware of and mindful of and, and also just the incredible opportunities that can flow from it. Thank you, Jessica. REACH is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, 
Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.